Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale. It's talking about some serious stuff, so we're going to keep it pretty chill and cool and whatever. I'm Alex. Yes, we in the dark, we keep it chill, but there's still time to have a quick chat about Kevin's mustache. I'm Justin. <laughs> I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 6, Episode 11, Chapter 106, Angels in America. Now, a brief bit of recap before we get into the episode. Pretty much everybody in the town of Riverdale has been getting superpowers. And on the opposite end of the spectrum is a guy named Percival Pickens. Pee-pee. Who show, showed up. There. Okay, you know what? I'm going to allow you this episode because there's a lot of different variations on PP. So there was a lot of PP all over this episode. A lot episode, of peas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pee-pee. I'm glad you're enjoying no this bit. You I'm, do it. You know what? I'm glad you're. It's giving you joy. I'm going to take all that joy. I'm going to take it away from <laughs> exactly. you, and then you're going to stop doing it. So there you go. <laughs> so you already ruined it for me. Thank you. No problem. Percival Pickens has the power to control people's minds, and he's been coercing everybody in Riverdale to do his bidding. He's been slowly chipping away at the different pillars of Riverdale, and as teased in the last episode, he decided to come directly after Tabitha Tate and Pop's diner that seems to be a stumbling block to whatever his greater plan is. We don't exactly know what it is yet. He also took down Archie literally and figuratively the last episode thanks to some palladium that was in his boxing gloves. He also, uh, Betty is not exactly on the run, but she is grappling with some serious headache issues related to her powers, which are seeing evil auras. And Jughead got some pushback from Percival Pickens. Jughead has mind reading powers that comes into play. Turns out Tabitha doesn't know about it, as we find out towards the beginning of this episode. Uh, but he has been leading the charge against Percival in particular because Percival pushed back in his mind. Veronica, meanwhile, has been running a casino previously with Reggie, though no longer. They seemingly broken up. Uh, not a lot of clarity there, but I, I think it's pretty clear that they're not together. While Betty and Archie are, Jughead and Tabitha are. And meanwhile, Ish. Cheryl in the last episode, unlocked her own firepower. She has the power to control fire. That's something she's working on. And she has a young ward named Britta that she said goodbye to, which was very sad. But she is now alone. We'll see her her again. You think so? I think she went to do another show is what actually happened. But maybe when she's done, they can bring her back or something like that. Yeah, she can come back around. Maybe she can turn up the thermostat because it's very cold in Cheryl's house. So that's going on. The other thing that's important to mention this episode is that Tabitha has been on the town council, but most of the town council has been corrupted by Percival Pickens, who has also joined the town council and seems to be controlling both Alice and Frank in particular, as well as, as uh, I believe Pete, no, 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 Justin teased. He very much has mind control on Kevin right now, who is a deputy in the police department that plays out very well here. So 
That's the big stuff that's going into this episode. The last thing that we should probably mention is there was a five-episode event that kicked off the beginning of the season called River Vale that took place in a dark alternate universe. And there we met an angel named Raphael who came to Pop Steiner, was helped by Tabitha, and Raphael warned that Tabitha that Pop Steiner would be the center of a battle between good and evil, and Tabitha was a crucial component of that. That is something that we get into here, and I'm sure we will get into here as we talk about this episode. Now, this is a very different sort of episode, I thought, for the show. They are, like we've talked about, on and off on the podcast. Riverdale deals with serious subjects in different ways. Here they're dealing with racism in the history of America, both specifically and also generally. Um, I'll say, broadly speaking, and I feel like I'm ping-ponging every episode here, I thought they did a really good job with this one. Uh, I think uh, we personally... I've been waiting for Tabitha Tate and Aaron Westbrook to get some sort of spotlight. She's been in a very support role for the past season and a half or so. So to have her take center stage, have Aaron Westbrook, I thought totally nail it and crush it. This episode made me very happy to see. And overall, I thought the racism stuff was dealt with very deftly. And they go in like they get into like sundown town um, Green Book, they they go deep. And I think we talk about how Riverdale is like no show goes harder uh, in television and so much happens in every episode. And for this episode, them to sort of lock in, maintain all of the wild superpower stuff, give Tabitha uh, the power of chronokinesis. She's chronokinetic, I think. They, yeah, she calls so herself. Cheryl is pyrokinetic and Tabitha is chronokinetic. Yeah. Um, so that's wild and still be able to touch on these very serious issues and let her play it for both play it for all of the superpower stuff. Very straight. Just like, here's what I'm dealing with. The rule establishing in this episode of television is (laughs) wild uh, across the board for all of her powers. Well, at the same time, like taking a, a hard look at, uh, a bunch of like both racist policies in the in our history, as well as just like the way people reacted to them on on both sides of it. Like it was it was a I thought a great episode. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, the Tabitha ab- that this was was fantastic. The seeing Tabitha in different time periods, dealing with different things, was really amazing. Uh, she killed it in this app. I thought it was. Uh, Really fantastic, and especially the kind of like going in on stuff and kind of showing stuff. Absolutely fantastic. I loved it. What I'm dying to talk about is the, the, you know, we got the monorail. Like, it was basically the Simpsons monorail uh, pitch that PP gives. I was losing my fucking mind. I was like, this is hysterical. Uh, Also, they kind of like, all right, now there's angels talking about God, the Holy Grail. This show is crazy. They're, they're, it is like, they're pushing in every single direction, you know, just like, uh, yeah, this was an insane app, like Jughead being like, it's the apocalypse and we're at ground zero. Well, PLP is talking PP. Let me throw in here that, um, he is sort of immortal. That was that a call that I think that I had a couple episodes back. How do you guys think it works? Is he is he the same throughout? Did Tabitha's time travel 
cause him to lose his mind, and that's why he is so evil. He is he a darker force? He's got the Holy Grail at one point in here that she takes a sip out of. Uh, what do you guys think? So there's a lot of stuff going on here. And I think as usual with Riverdale, it's not necessarily going to match up one to one with anything because uh, this show is a hearty stew of a lot of ideas. Like I was looking, we've been talking a lot about the Stephen King influence here. So I thought there was going to be something like it, the Pennywise from it, who comes back. I think it's every 23 years. I probably should have looked that up beforehand, but whatever it is, there's a very even spacing. That's not present here. We go to December 24th, 1944. We go to the day before and then the day MLK dies. And then we go to 1999, I believe, unspecified date in there. So it's not necessarily that thing where, like, he comes back every 25 years to Riverdale. The information that we get here and the reason I bring up the Hardy Stew is, like, it's not that – He is seemingly the same as Lou Cipher, a.k.a. Lucifer, from the Rivervale event. Oh, Mm -hmm. yep. Now I I see. It's right there. Yes. Lou Cipher. Lucifer. You just had to say it faster. That's Mm -hmm. with a lot of things that make sense if you say it fast. Yeah. He's a similar (laughs) character to the other character they're going to be introducing later this season, who is D. Evel. Uh, Donald Ooh. Evel, uh, who again, yeah, interesting you pronounce it Evel. I would think <laughs> evil is how you say that word. What? <laughs> <laughs> huh? D. Yes, Evel. He's the same character there, so it's not just that he is a regular human who has mind control powers, but he is the literal devil. Uh, again, we get this flash from Rivervale over in Riverdale as things are happening that. There has to be some sort of explanation coming about down the road. But the one other note that I'll give you, and this comes from uh, the stuff that uh, we were given on press copies before the episode came out, is it does seem like Percival is pursuing Tabitha through time. Like, I don't think that was explicit in the episode, but according to that, that's what's happening there. So that is. I mean, at one point, he shows up. Who's following her. And I think that ties into the fact that, like, he's Lucifer, he's the devil, he has these powers, so he's trying to stop her. So it's not different ancestors of Percival. It's not a different Percival. Yeah, it's him. He's experiencing this the same way that Tabitha is experiencing it. I mean, it's a classic quantum leap, evil leaper situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just got to outleap the evil leaper? Mm-hmm. Yep. You gotta All right, leap, so we got the leaper. We kind of uh, we leap past something here that I really wanted to circle back to. Is it the you monorail? Know, nope. It's oh, the fact okay. that like <laughs> this show put out the idea of like, hey, we've been looking at this Holy Grail thing wrong this whole time. It was originally made for milkshakes, and I, I'm, I'm kind of there for it. I kind of believe like, you know, um, yeah, I would want to want it to be for milkshakes, you know? I mean, if you are the all-powerful son of God, what do you want to drink? You're not going to turn water into wine. You're yeah. turn water into a sick-ass milkshake. <laughs> Sick milkshake! Yeah, my favorite passage from the Bible, and I believe it's Leviticus 3.14, <laughs> is when Je- Jesus says, my milkshakes bring all the followers to the yard. <laughs> That's it's true. true. All the apostles <laughs> to the yard. <laughs> yes. Uh, That was great. And I mean, while we're talking about this and while we're jumping around this, I do think, like you guys are saying, the fact that we did deal with these serious issues but do have ridiculous things like milkshakes in the Holy Grail and Tabitha 
browbeating J. Edgar Hoover over the phone and things like that. <laughs> that it all worked yeah. together is kind of phenomenal and very impressive. Um, I, I was thinking about how this episode, it's very different, but it reminds me a little bit of the Hiram flashback episode, just in terms of focus. Mm. And I think, like you were getting at, Justin, whenever the show could really hone in on a character and really hold steady on that, it excels. Yeah. I, I I agree with you completely. And to see Tabitha, I think you said this as well, really take – she's a character that was given a lot of sort of power in the show quickly. She sort of came out of nowhere, suddenly dating Jughead, and they're like become this power couple. Ish. And then to have her – no, for real. Um, have her really like take charge this episode and be the star, the full-on star of the show uh, was – it was great. And I think – I'm glad we finally got to it. I I agree with half of what you're saying a little bit, Justin. Tabitha is an amazing character. Half yeah, a little which, bit. Which, uh, oh, man, which half do you disagree I with? I think Tabitha <laughs> is an Let's phenomenal character. Place and your bets. And getting some time to shine. I just think that Jughead... I, that's not... I just... I, I feel like she can do so much better. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> that's what I, I do. I, this is what I love about your take against because you're such a bughead guy. You're always shit talking Jughead with that with Tabitha. <laughs> so I don't get it. You're like you're like she's better than him. He needs to go back to the There's dirt with you uh, see, Betty. And you see, and they fit, and you're like, oh, that's good. I think they'll be happy for they work for with each other. And some people, I just you scratch your head and go, I don't. She, I feel like she could do some. No, I, I agree. I think you were saying this just before Justin, but I agree with Pete. Tabitha is so good. Jughead is a piece of human garbage and should be with Betty to be in my favorite couple, Bughead. Well, is there, that, there's a darkness. That's there's the logic. a darkness okay. to both of them that mm-hmm. fit, and they solve crimes. And I feel like when you pull that apart, like things go wrong in Riverdale. Is it that Jughead is, in your estimation, a piece of human garbage with Tabitha, but a piece of human, I don't know, banana splits, whatever you think is good uh, with Betty? Uh, it's you know it's it's the classic kind of uh, your crazy pieces and my crazy pieces fit together and you can see the puzzle situation. Nice oh, that situation. Yeah, that's classic. They're they're Great. a fun puzzle that you're well, trying to solve. Tell you what, this episode has nothing to do with couples, and I think it's diminishing the episode to talk about the couples in any way in relation okay, to it. So why fine. don't we wow. jump into? I, I do. I'm sorry. I sure. think yeah. particularly yeah, because it's dealing point. with big stuff. Otherwise, I'd argue with you. Thanks, man. Pee-pee? Pee-pee? Pee-pee all over this place. (laughs) Oh, he's back. He's back, man. I I thought I killed it, but I didn't. So we do start off with this great montage at the beginning here where Tabitha, uh, first of all, confronts Percival. He tries to use his mind stuff on her, and it just does not work. I was so nervous when she was alone with him because I was like, why? Who's... Nobody's told you that this is horrible to be around alone with this guy. Like I was, uh, but then you know, okay, fine, great. But man, well, the, so the stress it, of that was just too much. His voice doesn't work on her. Is that because she's in her place of power or talking about her place of power? Pops when she uh, t- he tries I to would, use it on her. I would guess it has something to do with Raphael, her guardian angel, and this aura of mm. protection about her. You know, really without we haven't really established that yet. Yeah, but I think we come back to it later or at the very least, like she is the 
uh, avatar of good in the town of Riverdale, and Percival is the avatar of evil. So he just he can't do stuff on her, I guess. Yeah. Really, she's the avatar of good over Archie. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Although it's great think- to see Artie uh, uh, jump up in that meeting and be like, "Hey." Yeah, because I I do think like Archie feels like he is taken the soul of Riverdale within him uh, in this season. They seem to be mm-hmm. pushing for that, but mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Tabitha does, which maybe she's like the other pole. Archie and mm-hmm. her, she's the pops chocolate shop as the power source, and Archie is the whole town, something like that. Well, but Archie is broken at this point. Like that's what we get in this fun montage where Tabitha asks everybody here for help. And, and nobody gives it to her, which, not to jump ahead. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, but I also thought it was a nice contrast and a nice thematic theme for as she jumps through time, Tabitha's whole job is to help and support the town and figure out these problems. So she is doing the thing that nobody is doing for her, regardless of the fact that they're not doing it for her, which I think points to the strength of her character. Well, and also she doesn't know that Percival, everyone's scared of Percival, essentially. Like Mm -hmm. Archie's scared of him. Betty scares Tabitha about him. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know anything about this and I'm not scared of him and I will do what I need to do. And that's what she does for the episode. So I do think she sort of bounces off everyone in a good way. And Cheryl was like, I'll help. I'm just trying to figure this shit out real quick. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. my house is cold. I'm busy. Dearest Tab Tab. Yeah, love the tab tab. That's very fun. We also get on the other end of the spectrum. Do you want to talk about Kevin a little bit? Because we, I am Justin, getting oh, just a raw deal for our guy. Kev. Always, I. It's just it, at some point, it's it stops being heartbreaking and it's just kind of like, please stop. Please well, and stop I felt the same. Me. I felt the same about Alice at the beginning of this episode, where she's so hard under the thrall. Like, what are we doing here? Like. We, how can we like these characters with what they're doing? And we don't even get to see them struggle against Percival's control. We just mm. see them doing evil, doing yeah, his bidding yeah. without any direct, like, uh, like we don't get to see him holding sway over them even. They're just there doing I, it. I, and it's really hard. Good, you bring up a good point. I think, you know, the, uh, the minions, you know, you can tell that they're into it. You Do you know mean the mean? movie, the minions? Yeah, exactly. This is what you're yeah. talking about. You're com- doing the old minions comparison. Like, it's okay if they're really into it and they want to do it anyway and they just need, like, an evil leader. Like, oh, okay, I understand your motivation. But well, when they're quick, not it. I'm what, sorry, what, what did you think? No, I was just wondering what you thought of when Kevin was asking for a da-na-na. Did, he, did you like that? <laughs> I thought that was a good scene. <laughs> wow. Well, Sorry, I did, did I miss the homework? Cut. Were we supposed to watch <laughs> Minions for this podcast? Because that's never yeah. been part of this. Isn't Minions? No, after just dark. Did I you were bringing it up the, the Minions debate. You were bringing it up. I, was... I, I never said the word Minions. Yeah, you, you keep saying Minions. I feel like we've gone far off track. I know we're like 18 minutes in here, but let's start at the beginning. Welcome to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast Stop, about just Minions, doing the, the Rise of Gru. <laughs> you, you've, when you've been doing a podcast for so long And your co-hosts bring up stuff That you just don't want to talk about That is true darkness I'm Justin uh, we're, we're really starting over? <laughs> no, we're not really starting okay. over uh, Of course scared. not Come now this was okay. gold. This first despicable season. <laughs> you. Yeah, <laughs> we can't. We can't delete that. The people need to hear it. 
the I, I agree with you guys. I'm bummed. Like my main reaction, and I wish I was not having this reaction when I'm watching it, is I'm like, I want the I feel bad for these actors when I'm watching it. Like maybe they're having fun. They're probably having a good time. They come in. Kevin Casey Cotts puts on a funny mustache and gets to pal around with Chris O'Shea, who seems to be a nice guy playing Percival yeah. Pickens. But at the same time, like watching them and enjoying Majin Amick and Casey Cott as actors. I want to get in their heads a little bit, like you're saying. And I do wonder now that the secret, you know, the, the twist of Percival Pickens that he is the little devil is out there. I wonder slash hope that maybe we can get some of that inside their heads. What goes on in Percival's organization? What's happening there now that we've uh, sort of pulled the lid off of the storyline. Well, and uh, yes, uh, I agree with you. Um, Hopefully we'll get to see a little bit of that or there will be some sort of redemptive arc for Kevin, like he can come through and break the control somehow. Um, But it's especially hard. It's one thing to have them like foiling Archie's like latest uh, boxing scheme or whatever. But it's another thing to have Kevin enforcing racist like violent <laughs> policy that's just like whoa yeah, like, yeah. It, 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 because of the content of this episode it just it hits so much harder and you really uh you know i like the kevin as a character and to have to see him go so far is a hard a hard swing it's also a weird continuity thing we don't i don't think we explicitly find out what his name is but throughout the eras he's playing a killer ancestor right Versus yeah. Martin Cummins, who is also who plays Tom Keller normally who, mm-hmm. and is under Percival's thrall in the modern day. We get to see him as a sheriff, as the mayor of Riverdale. And he does seem conflicted both times like he yeah. and he ends up sort of being ta- Tabitha doing with, the right things with. Oh, yeah. With I mean, that whole thing when Tabitha brought in the family, I started balling like it was really awesome. Yeah. With uh, Tony and Fang's ancestors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a great, yeah. That was really powerful and, and very well, well done. Let, let's talk about the different time periods here. So as we mentioned, first they go back to December 24th, 1944. And the actually the first thing that we should talk about before we even get to the time periods, just in terms of things that are hard to watch, is Percival decides, you know what, uh, screw it with all this mind control thing, and compels a guy to go into Pops and shoots Tabitha. Oh, yeah. Which, just from the level of shooting but a luckily, black woman. Before. Well, hold on, hold on. Uh, oh. Just from the level of shooting a black woman, I think, like, it really sets up the stakes of this episode in terms of how hard they are going to deal with race and how hard they are going to deal with race, uh, which was really hard to watch. It made my stomach twist up in knots, but I, I was impressed that they went there. Uh, I agree. And it also, they did it like a, a punch to the gut, just the way they staged it and shot it. Like just to, they're talking, her and Jughead were talking. She was making him uh, like dinner, right? Tomato, tomato soup, soup and grilled, grilled cheese, cheese. Yeah. Which plays uh, a big soup, factor later. Yeah, huge, you know, you gotta. That's why always buy the big can. Always buy the big can. Yeah, exactly. You're going you're gonna to enjoy that much tomato soup. You're, oh, man. Uh, and a great weapon. Uh, but the fact, uh, joking aside, the fact that like, it's out of nowhere and sort of like a nice couple moment, which we had, haven't had hardly any this season so far. And then, boom, that guy comes in and shoots. Like, it, it was it was intense to watch that. But what were you going to say, Pete? 
Well, I, I what, what I was going to say is yes, uh, I agree with uh, all of that. It was this kind of like like oh shit kind of moment that then kind of uh, we got to kind of like really go on this amazing character journey and find out about the town and like the kind of like important decisions that ha- that happened throughout history. But yeah, before that, uh, Jughead was like, "Hey, this box is like a time machine," you know, and yeah. it was kind of like this thing of like, "What, Jughead? That seems really weird to say." And then, like, all of a sudden, became like a huge impetus for like everything that was happening. So I was kind of like, "Oh, all right, I see what's happening here." Yeah, I did. You think that maybe he was going to write "time machine" on the side and get it and be like, "Beep beep boop boop a doop boop." Yeah. yeah. I was going to put it That's in That's how time machines work. Yeah, classic. He'd be like, it's a transmogrifier. Let's play Calvin Ball. Oh, um, hey! How about. Nice. Um, Eisenhower hanging out in Pops, we see in the photo there. Yeah. Oh, um, was there? Yeah. When, oh, okay. Uh, That's right. Uh, but I like that. I mean, it, it gets back to another place that this show really excels is when they're going back to the history of Riverdale and talking about it in this literal way with the show, but also metaphorical way in terms of Archie comics have been around forever at this point. It's, it's good to see. And they get a lot of, you know, the music kicks in and it gets all Mm -hmm. nostalgic and poignant. And those moments really, really work. Uh, Why don't we get and talk about the first time period again? It kicks off December 24th, 1944 Uh, pops is in the green book which is safe places that folks of color can go to hide out. And over the course of it, we meet Raphael, again, this angel who takes the form over the course of the episode, first of Jughead, then of Tony, and then finally of Betty, which is interesting. And I think we should maybe talk about why those three people in particular before the end of the episode Uh, But takes the form of Jughead, and uh, we find out that they want to turn Riverdale into a sundown town, which never happened. They argue about it in the town hall meeting. The mayor is very conflicted. Ultimately, ancestors of Tony and Fangs are on the run. Percival Pickens is hot on their heels. And thanks to Raphael totally frying Percival and Kevin's ancestors. <laughs> that was <brains>. wild, <laughs> wild time. I've got an idea. Kaboom. Uh, and uh, manages to convince them to not make it a sundown town, but there's still a cartoon bomb there that almost blows up Tabitha and soon she jumps in time. So again, that was a brief recap of what happened here, but let's jump in and talk about some specific moments. What did you think about this storyline? Uh, well, I, th- I th- you know, I, I think it, it's a cool thing to kind of like, uh, bring up the green book just because of like the fact of it's not just safe place, but it's also where they could go to eat and to sleep and to stay. So like the fact that like pops was a part of that, I think was a cool kind of thing to bring up and to explore and to kind of like the, this whole thing about like sundown and all this kind of horrible shit. It was nice that they revisited this in a way that really gave you the humanity of it and what was, uh, what was really at stake. So I was just, uh, I was just kind of really, uh, happy with how it was handled. And, uh, I thought it was very enjoyable. Especially using the green book, something like based on the movie that everyone was sort of like this movie and then won the Oscar, like to to sort of take that back and use it in a way that felt like a little more like real or a little more like, which is a crazy thing to say about Riverdale. (laughs) Uh, 
But like, I, I thought it was well handled, and the using uh, Tony Fangs and the baby here mm. to, uh, playing um, Flynn, Anne, and Tracy. Um, as these characters that it wasn't about like a legacy thing and them being like, okay, so what does this mean for Tony and Fang's relationship? No, they were just using the characters almost like an ensemble to tell the story, which I think it opens the show up to be like, these are just the performers that we use on this show. And uh, Roberto uh, talks about that a lot and he uses a lot of the actors that he likes. And I just, it feels like we're a part of a community and we're seeing these ideas shared with us because that's what we as a group want to talk about or those them, them as the creatives want to show us. Yeah, I totally agree. And the last thing that I'll say about the use of Green Book and Sundown Towns, and we'll get to talk about MLK in a moment, but frankly, Riverdale has a younger audience, many of which probably know about these things, but many of which also probably don't. So even with these brief mentions here, I think it really provides an opportunity to be like, wait, what's a green book? And you hop on Google, take a look, and then you find out this whole wealth of information. Or like Sundown Towns were featured pretty heavily in Lovecraft Country recently, but I don't know. There's probably some Venn diagram in terms of the overlap between people who watch both shows. But again, this is going to be fresh information for some people or same thing when we get to talk about MLK. I think everybody knows it, but viscerally seeing that sort of thing in action on a show like Riverdale, it can make those moments feel really powerful and present because they're coming in the middle of something that otherwise you're like, oh, this is a lark. This is something I watch on Sunday nights. It's fun. It's goofy. I have a good time. I'm into the ships. But to throw that in there, it makes those things hit home that much harder. Well, and you you uh, mentioned Lovecraft Country. Um, I feel like this episode has such distinct influences, mm-hmm. uh, Lovecraft Country being one of them, Quantum Leap I mentioned earlier, and the TV show Dark, a show that we've talked about a few times, um, a Netflix show from a uh, German show. feels like they're sort of aiming at that a little bit with what, the time travel we see and where this episode ends up. Yeah. So this also, is, oh, go ahead, Pete. Let's not forget the Simpsons because of the monorail of this all thing. I mean, for, I, I'm really hoping the next Simpsons reference is Tomer Palooza. You know what I mean? That would be a fun one. Mm-hmm. Wasn't yeah. there something previously? I don't know why I'm blanking on this, but we were joking about the monorail thing on a previous episode. And then, yes, in fact, he is building a train through town. Yeah. Uh, uh, we were just talking about him as the music man mm-hmm. uh, and the music man being the reference that the monorail episode from The Simpsons came from. While we're talking about it real quick, he wants to build a private railway. Why would anyone want that? I don't understand what the point of that is. But also, I like the scene where Tabitha's like, they're going to tear down Pops. And Tony's like, ah, the white worm should be fine operating underneath (laughs) Underneath a railroad tracks. I was like, what do you you mean it's going to be fine? (laughs) They're going to tear down a building and leave the basement untouched? I don't think that's Uh, how buildings work. The roof will just be railroad tracks at that point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will throw out one other possibility other than The Simpsons as a reference here, and I guess we'll see how this plays out. But because there is so much Stephen King stuff going on this season, in the Dark Tower series, there is one of the most terrifying villains that Stephen King has ever created is this character called Blaine the Mono, who is a monorail who has gone, an AI monorail that has gone insane and basically holds the characters in there and challenges us some riddles and stuff. It sounds ridiculous on the surface. It does. But it's it does lim- sound ridiculous. And let me say, <laughs> yeah, Stephen that does King not writes, sound scary. 
I feel like Stephen King eventually will be like, well, I've written all of the books. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing used, else can happen. I've used all Evil of the train monorail. <laughs> this yeah. was early on. This was, uh, and it is legitimately great. I know I'm probably not describing it well, but I nope, do wonder not. if we <laughs> are going. Said, you said that one of the e- most evil, evil villains. Characters. Uh, he's a monorail. And then a monorail. monorail. That, that they're <laughs> locked in. Oh, no, yeah. It's great stuff. <laughs> okay. I, I I would be unsurprised if a couple of episodes from now there isn't an AI monorail that all the characters are trapped inside and have to answer riddles because that seems pretty Riverdale to you. Yeah, right. you're calling that? You're calling that? I'm calling that. I'm calling my wow. shot, man. Again, you said wow. it was the most evil thing. Being on a train answering riddles, that's like answering taking riddles. Yeah. That's like taking the train from Brooklyn like to escape work. Room. <laughs> like people <laughs> pay for that. Playing the mono, man. It's gonna happen. Oh my god. <laughs> Man, are you scared of trains? I, 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 don't, I don't get on them ever since I read The Wastelands by Stephen King. I'm going to get one of those old-timey train whistles and scare the shit out of you on this <laughs> no, podcast. Please don't. Please don't. Oh, my God. <sighs> don't even get me started on train conductors with those terrifying hats they wear. Oh, the hats no, are so spooky. Good. And how they're always wondering if everyone's all aboard. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, the sequence was uh, really good. What do we think about the whole Raphael thing and how Rivervale is bleeding through to Riverdale? Bleeding. <laughs> well, I'm surprised about all of the sort of connections and the characters that are coming across the line. And it sort of sets up maybe some larger questions that we can talk about later about how where these characters are are we still in rivervale is rivervale uh, still happening is it not like i think there's a lot of more the mystery deepens yeah also it's it's a fun kind of excuse to have the angel be different kind of people so we can kind of like switch it up i thought that was fun yeah i agree uh, like justin was saying earlier it's a nice way of using the ensemble and i do think jughead obviously is somebody who's very connected to tabitha right now tony and tabitha hey. have been tied together quite a bit the betty thing was interesting to me in the third sequence because she is not a character that i necessarily associate quite as closely with tabitha though they did have a friendship last season when they were going after the lonely highway killer yes pete you have a question just uh, just a quick question Point of is order. It- yeah, if you could not Minions: co- The Rise of Gru takes place before. No, I know. If the you other could, movies, it's, it's a prequel. The, is that the question? I mean, yeah. I can guarantee you, Alex, no one was asking that question. Hey, if you could not quote Justin back to us after Justin just said something, that would be great because it's like it's hard <laughs> well, enough the first time around, and then you're going to requote him. It's kind of you know. Uh, if just, I could quote um, uh, one of my favorite philosophers, Justin, I think he <laughs> said it. I think he said it best you know. when he said "Barchi forever." I think was his uh, uh, favorite um, line. I think that was in the Bible. I think that was Jesus um, said that right after the milkshakes thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was- so why don't we jump to the second sequence where Tabitha does jump forward to April third, nineteen sixty eight. She realizes it's the day before the MLK assassination. She goes to stop it, finds out that there's fixed points in time, and then has to live through the MLK assassination. They end up having discussions in Pops. Percival wants to, oh, excuse me, Perry Pierce wants to mm-hmm. shut that PP. down. He works for the, still PP, yes. Still uh, PP. works for the FBI. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is the one where she finds the cartoon bomb. I got that wrong. Yeah. Um, 
But I thought this was great. Like, this was the one that made me get choked up, is the idea of Tabitha not just having to live through the MLK assassination, but knowing what's coming and not being able to do anything about it really got me. Well, and I think it was so smart to have her really, we get to see her go through it and feel her, watch her, feel her emotions about it and sort of feel them alongside her. I feel like there could have been a version of this where it's almost like an action movie and it's her trying to stop it and failing and not being able to um, and just all go. But to really let us sit, to let the character sit in the emotions and let us, you know, watch it, I thought was super powerful. And I'm uh, really impressed by the way they did this. Pete? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Oh, you don't want to quote any of that back? To no, the- I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I thought this was really well played by Aaron Westbrook as well. There was a ton of emotion in these scenes. It was really well done. And that they also found a different mode for the sequence than the previous one, which was much more action focused, much more driving forward versus here. It was the opposite. It was literally people sitting in pops and being like, what do we do? What do we talk about? And that that was the thing that she needed to figure out is how to allow them to do that. I thought was a really smart way of varying it up. Um, yeah. So good stuff. And then the third one, she does find the cartoon bomb, as we mentioned. Uh, she jumps before it blows up. So she's starting to get control of her powers here. Yeah. Jumps to 1999 and finds people putting racist graffiti on the diner. This is the one where she really starts to figure things out. We get to go inside Percival's curiosity shop where he has the spear that pierced Jesus and the Holy Grail. <laughs> so just quick. laying there. Yeah. Just laying so right there next to each other. We see these first two time periods dealing with like very real raw emotions. And then we jump into Y2K. <laughs> like, why t- like a lot of things in 1999, <laughs> it starts to get fucking loose and starts to get <laughs> weird in this section. And um, I just thought the fact that this episode is able to hang together going from that, those very real things to her using her fencing training with the Spear of Longinus to battle <laughs> Percival, Percival with the Holy Grail. dressed up. As General Pickens' ancestor, who was also probably him. Yeah. And also with no real acknowledgement why it, <laughs> he's dressed that way. He just shows up and like, look at my cool coat. I'm going to fight you to the death with the lights off. Well, I do think, I mean, I, I understand you're kind of joking here, but I do think, first of all, they show, uh, there's a picture early on when Tabitha is scouting things out, and also to take it back to him being dressed as, I believe, a Confederate soldier, right, is yep. tying into the whole theme of racism throughout history, so he's going all the way back to the Civil War there, even though she's not jumping back to the Civil War, which I thought was really uh, smart, a good, very and let's quick remember- way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, it was, I just, it was a surprise. For sure, but I, yes. The, well, I the, thought it was more of a surprise when he showed up with his straight jacket on and shot her one time. He looked yeah, like that's a, the one that you... Yeah. He looked like a bit character from one of the Arkham Asylum games who Batman yes. kicks in the face or something. Yeah. 100%. Um, but I think, as we saw last episode, um, Percival beating Archie allowed him to put the statue of that dude he was dressed as up in town. Yeah, Uh, so that said, she does the weirder thing to me was how she beats Percival in this section. Like the first two I thought were really clever and smart here. He just kind of disappears when they fence a little bit. 
Well, and that's what I don't understand because I it again I guess that makes us think that he is he is leaping alongside her if he's able to leap out before he's stabbed. But he doesn't remember Tabitha. I guess maybe he throughout this episode he couldn't sense that Tabitha was the characters that she embodied. Well, I I do think. Here's here's my theory on this. First of all, we find out that Tabitha is lying in a hospital bed this entire time. So I think technically she's in a hospital bed in Riverdale in the present at the same time as she is jumping through time. And she's leaping into these people. Yes, exactly. And Percival is going in the same direction as her. So our present Percival first goes back in time and inhabits maybe his ancestor or creates this character, Whole Cloth, who goes up against Tabitha in 1944. Then going forward, he fights Tabitha again in 1968 uh, and then in 1999. So going forward, he's going to remember all of these time periods the same way that she will. This seems like a lot, don't you think, though? I mean, they're not going to reference it in any way. We're just trying to figure it out because that's what we do. But I do. I just found it strange because I think if a train leaves Chicago at six o'clock and then blame the mono leaves Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're going to answer like five riddles, which terrifies (laughs) Alex. (laughs) Yikes. Um, No, but what I was saying is in 1968, that uh, that Percival, that PP doesn't seem to be aware that Tabitha is the person foiling him. Right. Mm -hmm. And I found that strange uh, because I feel like it was the same guy. He had the same idea, but he doesn't seem to be aware that he's being beaten by Tabitha. Well, because she's jumping back in time before he, he, I'm guessing, what do I know? I mean, it also might be honestly just something that I misread or misunderstood. It might be literally like, Percival in the correct time order. So he is encountering her for the first time in the 1940s, then the second time in 1960s, third time in 1990s, and then today. That's what I think. I think he doesn't realize. The greatest hits from today and Civil War era as well. (laughs) Your radio station is not doing well, by the way. You have you have uh, the weekend and then some old timey uh, jug band from the Civil War up against each other. Uh, but I th- I feel like Percival has always been in Riverdale. He wasn't actually leaping. I think he that was just him, mm-hmm. and he is the the villain. Only in the present day does he realize that Tabitha has been Do you a think problem. He notices for him. that everybody looks exactly like each other. Does that is that a thing that he notices? He's That's like, why he's so mad. He's yeah. like, you people. <laughs> Keep having babies that look like you. Yes, I just, Pete, you have a I question. Just, yeah, just something that I've noticed as well is somebody with a missing tooth shouldn't say the word jug band. You know what I mean? It's a <laughs> bad look. Oh, are you nice. talking about Justin? Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm not missing a tooth. I have a currently have a, a yeah. I'm, I'm ready to for a joke. I have a chip tooth right now. I'm going to the dentist. On Man, if, I'm sorry. You don't have two spoons right now. And, and one of those little uh, washboard uh, uh, stomachs, you know, it'd be great. Don't I? <laughs> don't I? Washboard don't I? stomachs? What okay, do you, you think? When you say you play the washboard, it's not KJ Appa grinding up and down on. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it though? They, he would have kept his toughest he could man do alive it. if he he could do did it. That. Yeah. 
You're like, get for my final trick. Yeah. On his abs. That's what he should, he should give up the guitar and just play uh, the washboard abs. <laughs> he should. <laughs> I agree. Before we wrap up here, we do get one last time period that Tabitha jumps through, which is the far future where she sees an apocalyptic wasteland where Riverdale used to be. So we have set up the stakes. Pops is still standing, though. Pops is still standing, so you can That's get a right. milkshake and a burger. So what are you? It's all you need. What, yeah, I what think it's need, a dust a dust shake and a dust burger. And we also get everybody finally sharing information here. We get all of our super powered yes. heroes all together in a booth, including Cheryl. They're teaming up. They're trying to figure out what to do. Uh, what do you think about this direction going forward? Finally, um, it's exciting to finally have everybody together. It's my favorite is when the show forms like Voltron. I agree, but is everyone there? Because there's a noticeable absence of one um, of our main characters. That would be Veronica, you mean, right? Correct. No Veronica, yes. no superpowers, no Veronica here. What's that you the know deal? of? Do you think that... Veronica will get superpowers. Do you think she will be on the side of good or the side of evil? What potentially will happen with her? What's your theory? I mean, I don't think she's going to be taken under PP's thrall necessarily. She seems like she's too powerful for that. But she does seem to be operating sort of separate for her own ends. She doesn't seem as concerned with what's happening with Riverdale or any of this stuff. So maybe she's going to be like... It's just this outlier who uh, maybe isn't good or evil. Pete, what do you think? Yeah, I do think I don't. She's too busy for superpowers. Like she is a superpower. She's her own thing. So I don't know if she's got time for it. I hope they bring her into this plot line because it's not really fair to Veronica to constantly keep her on the edge of everything. We've. Essentially, even with everything going on this season, but having her deal with a lot of the very same things that she's been dealing with with Hiram for the first five seasons. So to keep her out of that, particularly when everybody else has come together, is a little bit of a bummer if that's going to happen. But I do think they are going to bring her into this. I do think she is going to exhibit some sort of powers. My theory is that she's going to exhibit ice powers like how Cheryl has fire powers. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. She's going to have some sort of like holding her glass of whiskey and you're going to see her just Ooh. chill it all by herself. But I do think she could be a key here in turning the tide on Percival because you inherently think of a casino as a den of sin, as evil. And I think that's why Percival is targeting her and trying to coerce her without using the mind powers over to his side. But she's not going to betray her friends. She's going to work with them. And I think that's going to turn things around, potentially. Yeah, I hope so. And I'm curious to see how the all the relationship changes that we've never really dealt with from previous seasons if that is going to become a, a, an influence here as well. Yeah, potentially. I think that would be interesting to deal with. Obviously, not this episode, right, Pete? No relationships. That's, That's right. Okay, thanks for backing me up there, man. Just quoting my friend you, you Justin guys, on that one. You guys are no, great Stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who was MVP this episode? This is kind of a no-brainer, but why don't we do it anyway? I swear to God, uh, Pete, if you say Betty, I'm going to murder you. Justin, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I don't even get to go. I have one thing to say before that. Uh, early on in the episode, when um, Tabitha cracks, oh come on, heads. don't! T- oh, you took my thing. I'm not That's, saying anything. You got to go first and take the thing I was going to say. This blows. 
I can't read your mind. That would be uh, not, not a true nightmare to be uh, <laughs> yeah. casually hearing your thoughts. Yeah, you don't want any 100%. of this. 100%. I only take the good stuff. Um, Tabitha listing all yeah, of the superpowers everyone yeah. has. That's yeah. all of us right now, and I that appreciate it. Yeah, she is uh, she is the winner, and her recap was phenomenal. Um, yeah, I mean, she, she killed it in this app. It was the Tabitha app, and it was glorious. Yeah, I mean, I got to agree and say Tabitha as well. Yes, um, I'm going to say Betty. I think this episode, <laughs> Betty, all day, early day. No, of course it was Tabitha. It's Tabitha's episode. It definitely Dearest Tab Tab. Dearest, Dearest Tab Tab. But yeah. honorable mention goes out to uh, Pop Tate. Um, here. Oh, yeah. I think he he had some. We haven't talked about him, and he had some just great little moments here where he he gets to be for as much as as Tabitha is the center of this episode and is becoming sort of the the pop of the new generation. The show is has really co- collected itself around Pop's Chocolate Shop when it wasn't always about that. It was about the school and different things, and now it's like. Where everything happens, murders, yeah. <laughs> like hangouts, like all the good and bad things come through there. And it really seeing him just he embodies that in a way that I just didn't expect this actor that they cast, you know, years ago to just sort of walk on and be like, here's your milkshakes. And now embodies the heart of this television show is wild. Yeah, I want to see him get superpowers, him be super strong flying around. Uh, also, shout out to the three actors who played different versions of Pops throughout this episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we uh, got to see not just Alvin Sanders, who plays regular Pop, but also young Pop in this episode and Pop's ancestor, who I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Titus Tate. He, yeah, he was really good as well. I thought overall, this was a really well cast, well executed episode. If you would like to support the podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark the quotable justin coming soon to book stands everywhere <laughs> monorail <laughs> Can't you